Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. A scripture lesson this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, the 14th chapter, verses 22 through 33. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus walked out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, he said, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell them to come, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt, said Jesus. And when they climbed back into the boat and the wind died down, then those who were there worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, as we gather to hear your word read and proclaimed again this first day of the week, speak to our hearts and ways, O Lord, that we would clearly hear what you say to us, that we would clearly hear who you would have us be and how you would have us live so that we would come away from this hour of worship, this time together in fellowship with you, not just as hearers of your word, but as doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. Two weeks ago, my wife Mary and I, we dropped our youngest daughter Anna off at camp up in Zirconia, North Carolina. And so on a lark to come back down, we thought, you know, let's take US 176 down the Green River Gorge, sort of going between Zirconia to Saluda to Columbus, North Carolina. Now, if you know anything about that part of North Carolina, the roads have a lot of hills and a lot of twists and turns, and the speed limit is perfect. I mean, it is so perfect that if you go down the road just at the right speed with those twists and turns, and you driving, the person that's sitting next to you might yell, help me, Jesus, multiple times. And that might explain the multitude, almost 15 of these 10-foot-high white crosses that say in red or green letters, Jesus saves. Now, I don't think those signs are there along the side of that highway because the people in western North Carolina are less religious, less faithful than the rest of the state. It's almost as if they were placed there to remind anyone blessed enough 
to travel that road on a daily basis or on a, some happenstance basis that Jesus truly does save. That Jesus is all around us. You know, I think about that, and I think that no matter twists and turns that we take, mountains or valleys on the road that we travel, Jesus is always there. Jesus is always there to save us. We just have to call on him. Now, the text that I just read today out of Matthew's gospel is a story of faithfulness and a story of faithful living, even despite the storms, despite the wind and the waves that may come. The very beginning, the weather is getting rough, and the, tiny's, the disciples' tiny boat is tossed. And when all seem lost, Jesus comes to them out of the darkness, out of the gloom, walking across the water. Peter steps out of the boat, and he walks on water momentarily, but then he finds himself sinking, and he cries out, and Jesus stretches out his hand and lifts him up and saves him. So from this text, I think for us, I think there's something that we can learn from that. I mean, the text is a lesson of obedience and faithfulness. It's a recognition of Jesus present in our lives no matter what. And it's a realization that salvation is available to every one of us world over. Remember last week in worship, we were sort of talking about this idea of discipleship and we realized that we were supposed to live our lives, that we show the world that we follow the shepherd and not the herd. We learned that lesson from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, realizing that they found themselves in a fiery furnace because they were following the tenets of God. And that statement, we follow the shepherd and not this herd, sounds trite, but it's our true calling, is it not? See, following Jesus is what we are supposed to do no matter what, And following Jesus is more important than just knowing what the Bible says, knowing how it reads out. That's what we call orthodoxy, knowing what the Bible says, knowing the teachings of God is orthodoxy, but it's orthopraxy, the teaching, the practicing of our faith that matters, the way we live our lives in terms of the commandments and the scriptures. So think about the text today. It says Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. He told them, get in the boat and go on over to the other side. And so what happens? And they get in the boat, they follow, they trusted Jesus. So they got in the boat and they get halfway out to sea, if you will. And this great storm arrives in the middle of a gale. And even though they're fishermen, some of them probably said, what a fine kettle of fish we're in. This made sense. But the lesson here for us is just that. That sometimes in following Jesus, sometimes we find ourselves in that great kettle of fish. Sometimes things don't quite turn out the way we thought they were going to. You know, Jesus never promised that following him was going to be a bed of roses or sunshine and rainbows 24-7. In fact, earlier in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said these words, Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say evil things against you for my sake. It was almost like he was warning anyone that would listen that in following me, things may not always go the way I wish they would. Things may not always go the way I want them to. Another way of looking at that text out of Matthew is this, blessed are you when people put you down, 
when people exclude you or gossip about you for my sake. See, Jesus was preparing the disciples and anyone else who would listen, and especially us, to understand that following Jesus at times can be messy. At times it can be stormy. Sometimes we ask ourselves, why am I doing this? And yet Jesus still beckons us forward, tells us to go out onto the sea. The Methodist ministers in Cuba who stayed following the revolution in 1960, they understood this text. They endured years of ostracization. They endured persecution and poverty by Castro's regime. They watched their churches be closed, be seized, turned into places of business, into slaughterhouses, into private homes. And yet they continued to preach. They continued to preach and lead house churches during the decades of turmoil until the sun finally came out and they were able to reclaim their church buildings and rebuild their congregations. Anyone who's ever stood up to a bully or been excluded from a friend group because they won't sacrifice their morals or they swim against the tide of peer pressure knows that following Jesus is not always that proverbial bed of roses. But my brothers and sisters, that's what we're called to do. We're called, no, we're commanded to follow Christ even in the face of stormy seas and high winds because that is the cost of discipleship. That's the calling of the kingdom is to swim against that tide. And the text, what we learn, the hope that comes from that. See, it's not all bad news. There's hope that comes from that even when we follow, even when there's that cost, that there is something to be gained. See, in the height of the storm, it comes during the fourth watch, during the darkest part of the night, and that's when the disciples are at their most afraid. I mean, remember, some of them are fishermen, and they are afraid. They're afraid that they are going to, boat is going to break apart and that they're going to be lost at sea. And then they see Jesus walking across the waves. They think he's a ghost, and so they're even more terrified. But then Jesus speaks. I love those words that he uses. It's very simple. It is I. And then he says, be not afraid. It is I. Think about the gospel text that we read as we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How many times does Jesus ask the disciples or the people, who do they say that I am? Who do you say that I am? But here he's on top of the water and he says, it is I. And in that moment, in that declarative statement, there is comfort. There is security. And the lesson for us is simply this. That even in the darkest times in our lives, that when the twists and the turns of the road, the mountains and the valleys, when the wind and the waves are against us, Christ comes across all of that to us. No matter how bleak things may look, Christ seeks us out in our hour of need. I think about the German theologian and minister Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You know, he was arrested for not going along with the, with the Nazis co-opting of the German church where they seized it and tried to get the church to preach sort of their gospel. But not Bonhoeffer. 
He refused to do that. He was only going to preach one gospel, Jesus' gospel. And so he was arrested for that, and he was punished for serving communion to the other prisoners, even to the guards, providing pastoral care and assurance and love for them no matter what. And so he wrote, as he was paying this cost of discipleship, he felt the comforting and abiding presence of God with him each and every day that he arose and ministered to those around him. So in the dark night of his soul, at the height of the storm in his life, he saw Jesus coming to him across the water. And so my friends, as we find ourselves tossed on the seas of life, of loss and despair, or whatever calamity may befall us, we have nothing to fear because Christ comes to us. Christ is standing right beside us, just as he did with the disciples in the boat. Now, when we think about this story, we're familiar with Peter calling Jesus out, saying, well, if it's you, call me out on the water. And so he does, and Peter walks out, and so he does this extraordinary act of faith, this extraordinary thing, and yet when he takes his eyes off Jesus, what happens? He panics. He takes his eyes off Jesus, he looks and realizes where he is, and he panics, and he begins to seek, and he cries out. He cries out, and Jesus lifts him up. Jesus saves him at that moment. This is a metaphor for our lives, too, as well. I think about any time that any adolescent leaves a house, they're probably sent out with some admonition to make good choices or make wise decisions, the hope being that they know what it is they're supposed to do and they understand that there will be consequences if they don't. Those consequences are storms in their lives, storms in our lives. And the same thing happens to us if we intend to practice our discipleship, our following of Christ, then we must strengthen our relationship and keep our eyes focused on the one who loves us most. But we know what happens, right? Sometimes we take our eyes off of Jesus. We take our eyes off our discipleship. We neglect our relationship with God. We turn away from our teachings. We cause harm to others and even sometimes to ourselves. And in the process that we separate ourselves from God. And it's in those moments that we begin to realize that we too are sinking, that the consequences are swirling around us. And if we cry out for salvation, theologically, this is what we call conviction. We realize that we have failed, that we have turned away from God. But at the same time, there's an assurance because we know that we can't save ourselves. And so by calling out to God, Jesus, save me. Lord, help me out of this. Lord, I'll do anything if you'll get me out of this predicament I'm in. That's conviction. As Peter discovered, that's where grace walks in the door. That's where Jesus stretches his hand out and says, I have you. Why did you doubt? And he comes to us and saves us, refocuses our priorities, and lifts us out of the waves. And it's that moment that we realize that we can do anything including change our lives because the power of Christ, the one who walks on water, calms the storm and lifts us up. That we can do anything because Christ stretches out his arms and lifts us up because we are precious in his sight. 
So I'm not sure where your travels will take you this summer. If you will go to the mountains and test your fate on those twisty, windy roads, I'm not sure where this life will take you this week, this month, or this year. But no matter what, I'm sure that twists and turns, mountains and valleys will come. But I know this much. I know that if we're serious about following Christ, about obeying his commands, that living a Christ-like life sometimes will mean storms do arise around us because we are swimming against the culture. We're trying to change the world by living the way Christ calls us to. Those storms will be the conflict between a corrupt world and the kingdom of heaven. But we take comfort that in the midst of the storm, Christ is right there with us. And even more so, if in the midst of that storm we take our eyes off of Christ, we know that Jesus is there to save us, that he stretches out his hand and he lifts us up. And it is our faith. It is our faith in the one who created us, who loves us, and who sustains us. It is our faith in that one that is the firm foundation upon which we stand in which we can go about our lives each and every day. So as we leave this hour of worship, let us go forth with our eyes on Christ, our hearts tuned to his commands, knowing that he walks with us each and every way. And then when that moment when we say, Lord, help me, Jesus, save me, that he will stretch his hands out and simply lift us up. And we will bask in the grace and the love of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.